previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. So quickly, Tony, he goes out to dinner with Dick Schaap one night. Tom Seaver does, okay? And Dick Schaap is, you know, collected people. So he's got all yeah. these famous people at dinner, including sports writers. Muhammad Ali is there. We know how bright Muhammad Ali was, but not a baseball fan. So there are a bunch of writers, famous people at dinner. <laughs> the end of dinner... Muhammad Ali, sitting next to Tom Seaver, looks at him and goes, what newspaper do you work for? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty, then. We're going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week. We're back on the regular schedule, and I'm back from Delaware. A couple of emails to start for those of you who wonder. Talk about wind. Played nine this morning, walked and carried. It's the windiest spring I can remember. And from what your prognosticator said the other day, it might get worse. As you know, on the golf course, it's all about wind when it's cold. 40, sunny, no wind. I'm playing. Shabbat shalom, DG. Okay. All right. So he's checked in. We're happy about that. Sure. And this other one. um, Hope all is well, Tony. Planning to be around your neck of the woods this July, hopefully. I'd love to grab coffee or lunch when normality returns. We're a full-service audio post-production agency located in the greater Los Angeles area. You can view a bit more about us at HTTP, whatever that is, push.audio, who we are. Hope you're staying safe. Love the work. Scott Dudley. I, I don't know, Mr. Dudley. I don't know who he is. If you're working in Los Angeles, what can you do for me? Yeah. I'm in D.C. It's a bit of a commute. Thank you for liking the work, but w- what can you do for me That's in Los Angeles? That's not a real Angeles? email. It can't be real. What do you mean? I think it's just, it's a combination of buzzwords and phrases. I think that's boilerplate. Okay. All right. So I don't think he, I don't know him. It's the return to normality. He doesn't There's no normal in this house. He doesn't know me. All right. uh, A couple of things. Very quickly, the Nats uh, up 9-0, tried to give away a game last night, made it 9-5 in the seventh or something like that as their bullpen failed, as it always does. Um, But they won the game because they scored on the Giants. They won two out of three. How is that what you start with? Um, Why don't you talk about the bases clearing double after they'd given up some runs? I mean, Victor Robles now batting high. That's the story of the weekend. Victor Robles, you know, am I wrong about Victor Robles? Don't think so. I don't think he can hit major league pitching, but he's hitting it right now. So credit to Victor Robles because I had been very down on If it on comes Victor down Robles. to just moving his hands. That's all he said it was, working with a hitting coach, putting his hands up. Why did a hitting coach not notice this? I don't For know. For two years. Two years. <laughs> two years. Strikeout. Maybe there's... Yeah. What is that? How does, how does your hand position affect strikeout looking? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I read the same thing, heard the same thing. Um, do you remember about a year ago, somebody from New Balance... I love New Balance sneakers. They're the only sneakers I wear. I think old people wear New Balance sneakers a lot because they're wider and they're supportive. Do you remember somebody sent us a couple of pairs of New Balance? By sent us, he sent you a couple The one I'm wearing now, which I've now been wearing for a month and a half to two months, the best sneakers in the world. They're gray. They have white laces. Are they an old-time sneaker? Were they a retro sneaker? I think these were a retro sneaker that they were playing up on the old, what I'd call the old dad shoe, that old gray running just shoe great. from the 80s, 90s. Just and I think great. New Balance has been associated with some other movements in the last couple of years that they've been trying to separate themselves from. Just, I love their sneakers. Just thank you to whomever sent me these sneakers. I'm now wearing them all the time. Let me do an audio visual here. For those of you not watching on News Channel 8, you're going to miss this. But the people in this room, Nigel and Michael, are going to see it. I had a high school weekend with my friends from George W. Hewlett High School. We went to Delaware. We stayed at my house. We played three rounds of golf at Rehoboth Beach. We cooked food. 
we sat around and yapped. Did you enjoy the candied pinot? I did Bells enjoy up. that. Thank yes, you, Dave. Mr. Spector, Dave Spector, thank you very much. Gooch and I had that. The others are not wine drinkers. Eddie had a little bit, but it's Gooch and I. So it's Stephen Pearsall, who I refer to as Gooch, who's a great basketball player in high school and college. Michael Kerr, who was a great golfer, uh, made the second round of the junior. That's a big deal. Wow. USGA event. USGA event. Made the second round of the junior when he was in high school. Uh, and Eddie Plutzer, who played baseball and bowling at Hewlett High School. I did none of these things. You know, I wasn't good enough to do anything. You know, but I'm good enough now. You know, I'm not, I just wasn't good enough then. Anyway, before these guys come and see me all the time, because they're coming down from Metropolitan New York and upstate New York, um, they always stop at Atlantic City. And they gamble, and they ask me, are you in for 100 bucks?" And I'm always in for 100 bucks. I mean, that's, they're going to gamble. If they win, they have won occasionally, not much money. Often they lose. But there's a system, a roulette system, that Eddie and I got many years ago. As you can imagine, I have forgotten everything about it, but Eddie remembers it. And every year or so, or whenever he goes to gamble, he uses the system. You don't, unless you're Jeff Ma, and they throw you out of the casino, <laughs> you don't usually win. So this is the same type of bet every year, traditional casino games, not like pitch-by-pitch, pitch, you know, in-game no. betting? No, no, no. It's not in-game. No, it's not DraftKings. It's not FanDuel. Yeah. It's none of that stuff. No, this is go to the roulette wheel. Now, Michael doesn't go in the casino, so it's just Gucci and Eddie. And, you know, again, I'm in for 100 bucks. So we go and we play golf on Thursday at Rehoboth, and it is windy and cold. There are not many people on the course. This is men's day where they usually have 18 to 25 foursomes. They had 10 foursomes. So we played quickly, which was good because it was really windy. And afterwards, we went inside and sat down to have something to eat and chat amongst ourselves. And Eddie looks at me and he goes, you got that $100? I said, yeah. And I reach into my pocket for money because I very specifically brought two $50 bills with me to give to him, assuming that he would lose. If he didn't lose, fine. But, you know, I assumed he lost. I said, yeah, here's the 100. He said, okay. So he then starts telling the story of the system, and then he takes out of his pocket at one point. He takes out of his pocket, because I'm stunned now. He takes out of his pocket, and he does this. Count this out loud. One. One. Two. Three. Four. <laughs> five. Six. And a 20. And he says, you get the 20 because you made us take tests, COVID tests, and they cost $30. <laughs> $620. I was stunned beyond comprehension. That's fantastic. Unbelievable. And he said, we voted. We weren't even going to give you any money. <laughs> we didn't think you should get any money. We voted. But nah, we we're going to give you the money. But we were not going to give you the money until you gave us the 100 and I said, That's well, fair. I brought, it's 100% fair. Sure. Well, I brought the 100. I brought it. And I sat there as he was pulling off these hundreds. <laughs> and he looked at me, said, I never said I lost. <laughs> I said, do you have the 100? Give me the 100. And he never said he lost. And they won and they won and they won. Wow. So they won like, I don't know, two grand or something like, yeah, more, I guess. I mean, everybody shared in it. That's unless somebody didn't put up, a, unless Michael didn't put up a hundred. <laughs> Because certainly Guccinetti put up the money. So that was. I'm surprised they got on the ferry to come see you. I would have stayed in AC. Yeah. yeah. How fantastic. They were at the Hard Rock. 
I asked where they were. How fantastic is that? That's tremendous. So that is, and, you know, let me not try to say that with $620, I can buy a new home. Because I can't do that. It takes I, care of a dinner for your friends. Yeah, I can't buy a car. I can't buy a home. It is not an earth-shattering moment. Right. But it's one of the greatest moments ever. Oh, that's just brilliant. Yeah. You know, they won, yeah. and they shared it, you know, because I was a, a, a banker. I have one other small story about this. And I think people know that I have praised in my life Hickman's Butcher Shop tremendously. Hickman's Butcher Shop in... Rehoboth Beach on Route 1 um, next to that giant liquor store, whatever. But if you know Rehoboth, you the know Atlantic where. Atlantic Outlet. Yeah, you know where. If you know Rehoboth, you know where Hickman's is. It's on the west side, right? The west yes. side of the street as you're going towards Rehoboth. Go do a U-turn up by the uh, PNC if you're coming out of Rehoboth. Yeah, or, or yeah, by please. George Bunting's State Farm yeah. joint because that's I use George Bunting on the house. Big plug, George Bunting. I've never met George Bunting, but I used There you go, George. I've also, you've heard me praise the Rustic Acres Farm Market yes. for their ice cream and their ribs and their chicken, you know, and I really like the Rustic Acres Farm Market. So the first day, um, we don't have dinner. We have to go get dinner the first day. And the plan was to go to the Rustic Acres Farm Market, pick up some ribs, and then the next day go to Hickman's and pick up some meat. So I drive them all to the Rustic Acres Farm Market, and it's not open. It's supposed to be open. It's not open. And there's a sign on the, the door that says, closed until further notice. I don't know what that I know that means it's closed, but I don't know if there's something really bad. Ha I don't know. I have no idea, and there's no way to find out. So now we are up at the Rustic Acres Farm Market on Holland Glade Road, and now we have no dinner. And it's about 10 to 6. And we think Hickman's closes at 5. We're not sure. So Eddie calls Hickman's, and he just says this. Are you open? Can you stay open a little while longer? We, we won't be more than 10 minutes. It's for Tony Kornheiser. Can you do that? And I just sort of look at him like, my, what are you dropping my name? I mean, it doesn't do any good. <laughs> Is, you know, they, uh, do they know me? I mean, maybe they don't. Okay. So we drive, and it's only five minutes away. And we pull in, and, and Eddie and Gucci and I pull in. Michael stays in the car. And we go inside. Uh, actually, maybe Eddie didn't come in first. Maybe it's just me and Gooch at first. And I begin to say, "Okay, so we, you know, maybe we should, we should get some." Or Gooch says we want a couple of bratwurst. Eddie wanted bratwurst, and then we looked at chicken, and we're going to get a couple of pieces of chicken. Everybody get one piece of chicken. Everybody get half a bratwurst. And then, you know, for the meat, we were going to get, we always get a tenderloin. Get a tenderloin, and one of the things they do after they slice up the tenderloin is the waste area of the tenderloin they make into hamburgers. They're the greatest hamburgers I've ever had. It's bar none, the greatest hamburgers I've ever had. And as I begin to tell them about the tenderloin, the guy cutting the meat, there's two guys there. One guy in a Phillies hat helping us with everything else. I recognize him. He's there all the time. And one guy cutting the meat, who I think is the son of the original Hickman's owner. And he looks at me and goes, yeah, we're way ahead of you. 
He'd already gotten a tenderloin. He started slicing off the fat of the tenderloin. He'd already gotten the meat for the that's hamburgers. That's why he dropped the name. Yeah. And, you know, and I just go, wow, that's so great. That was just so great. Because they're looking at me as they look at me every year. Oh, you're back. You got your high school friends. This is what you get the same thing every year. We remember. That's pretty gutsy. A whole ten, a whole prime tenderloin. That's a hundred bucks. More than that. Yeah, that's a always, pricey piece of meat. So to start cutting that before, yeah, you have it was the, really the good. Confirmed that's, order. It was really good. So we had that for two nights, and it was it was just wonderful. And you know, we all don't know how long we got, but. Every time we do this, it's just a. Now this wonderful. was your first time together in two years. Yeah, been a while. And right back to the same jokes. Uh, Michael told the same. But Michael told one great story. Um, I don't think he told this. I think he may have told this to me when because we alternate carts. You know, it's four people, so you play three rounds. So everybody sits with everybody once. And Michael was talking about a cousin of his. I think it was a cousin of his, who had done well in life. Um, had he and his wife had no children, but they had nieces and nephews. And he was going away for three or four months at one point, and he said to one of his nephews, who was a senior in high school at the time, he said, look, I'm going to give you my Cadillac. You know, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to give you the Cadillac for a few months. Take care of it like it was your own. That's his, that's his instructions. Take care of my Cadillac. It's a Cadillac in the 1950s. This is a real big deal. Take care of it like it was your own. I can drive a Cadillac. Yeah, yeah. And the next line from Michael is this. So he sold it and bought a Corvette. <laughs> That's funny. If it's true, it's even funnier. And I think it's true. We'll take a break. When we come back, Michael Wilbon will join us. I am Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Matthew Padora. His good friend's name is Benji Cooksey. And he sent us Benji Cooksey's music with Benji Cooksey's permission. Yes. You always have to get permission. Always. You don't get permission, you can't just send it. Like, you don't send us stuff by Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> here's, here's my friend Bruce's stuff. You should play it. This is Benji Cooksey. This is called Out of Austin. He's got a wonderful voice. We'll play him later in the show as well. And he's playing in Michael Wilbon. And I'll ask you, I won't dwell on the draft. I'll just ask one question. Did you pay attention to the draft for the Bears? Did you bother to care about the Bears? That's all I'm interested in. I care, but that means I can look it up and find out who they drafted. Yeah, I don't mean to watch it. I mean, what did you think of what they did? No, I couldn't tell you. They, they, They didn't do anything that mattered to me. Okay. It's a corner and a safety. Um, who people who all these scouts say should start the season starters from day one. Yeah. Which Tony, you know me, I and mean, this is the franchise of defense, and this young GM took those players, but they got a quarterback who needs five new linemen. Right. And they drafted those eleven. 
So even, you know, reading, you know, with Mel, and they, they were all surprised. They just said, you know, yeah, we'll give them a B because these two guys are good, they got. But they didn't get anybody to help the quarterback. So it's like, what the hell, you know, what, what do I care about that? Yeah, I think they probably feel that the new coach will help the quarterback and design something and make it work. I don't know. You know, that's all well, you, you can know, hope I mean, for. Linemen, we learned, you and I, from a, a certain coach, Joe Gibbs. Yeah. You're not, working, you're, not, you're not designing anything with linemen. The Bears had the worst line in football last year, and they did not take a lineman until, like, the fourth round. Not a good thing. Cincinnati that's didn't have That was Cincinnati last year. Cincinnati took Jamar Chase in the first round, and people said, this is crazy because Joe Burrow is going to get killed. But doesn't well, look crazy now. Doesn't, but it doesn't yeah, look but crazy also, now. But, but they, didn't take, they don't have the equivalent of Jamar Chase. It took a, their right. first receiver they took in the third round. So, I, you know, I, I don't. I don't know, but I, I didn't. You know, I, okay. I, I paid less attention to the draft than ever. For me. Uh, let's get to the NBA then. Um, for all the talk of Phoenix maybe losing and Memphis maybe losing and Brooklyn maybe winning, the one, the two, the three, and the four in both conferences advance. Does that surprise you in any way? No, no, no. It, it wouldn't surprise me, Tony, almost if anybody advanced because as I've been telling everybody all year and the same to you and saying to you in our Monday morning chats, uh, there's more teams that could win in the NBA than ever. Because you don't have – the NBA is not a league where you have four or five teams that could win, ever, except now. This is the first time. So you have – you know, you, you look at this, and yes, the Suns could win, but so could Golden State, and so could Boston, and so could Milwaukee. Um, you, you've, got, you've got a handful of teams – I don't think Memphis can win yet, but my God, they put up a great performance yesterday in terms of just artistically. It's you know flawed, but but there's so many teams that can win. So no, there's no surprise about who was advancing, um, and, and there wouldn't have been a surprise obviously if Brooklyn had advanced. You know, so out of those, out of the top twelve teams, you know, yeah, it would have been a surprise if six seeded Chicago had advanced through Milwaukee, but they didn't. So, no, no, they, they, I, I didn't find any surprises out of that first round. So the predictability of one, two, three, four in each conference moving on, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't judge it. I don't see it even in that light at all. These series were great, even though there was no game seven. It was like no game seven for the first time in the first round in like, I don't know, like 2011 or something like that. But I don't judge it as good or bad. I'm looking at the series. I don't care about the seeding. Um, I don't care about the seeding this year at all because you've got seven seeds that, that could win. New Orleans, without Booker, New Orleans could have beaten the Suns. They didn't. They could have. Um, and so I don't, I don't see it as good or bad. It doesn't even fall into that to me. I'm looking at the series. I'm glad to see I'm glad. I'm thrilled to see Golden State versus Memphis. And I, you know, I don't know if you watched any of that yesterday, but it was game one was as entertaining as you could want. And you got big stars in that series. You got Draymond being thrown out. You got you got Jordan Poole. He's not going to become the biggest star on Golden State, but he could at times, at times, be the most important player on Golden State. So I, d- I did watch that game. Steph. 
I watched a lot of that game, and I certainly watched the last five or six minutes of it was that great, game. Wasn't it? Well, I was very impressed, or, or maybe it's just because I haven't watched Memphis a whole lot. I was very impressed that the people doing the call, and I guess that was Breen and Jackson and Van Gundy, or yes, just Breen and yes. Jackson, they said, here's what's going to happen on the very last play of the game. They're going to try and get John Morant with a full head of steam to get the ball and go to the basket, which is exactly what happened. And John Morant was on the left-hand side and using his left hand threw up a shot off the glass that did not hit anything. It's a a 50% shot to begin with and maybe a little bit lower with your left hand, although maybe not because John Morant's really, really good. He just made one. He just did that to win a game. And I I like the ending of that game. And and if you ask me what is the most important thing about that game – I will tell you, and I'm not going to go as crazy as some people did, but I don't think Draymond Green should have been tossed. And I think what happened to Draymond Green is what happens in hockey. He has a history. He has a history of being a dirty player, and they threw him out, even though on that particular play, to me, he was down helping the kid up before he even really fell down. I I was... I didn't think that was a fair call, but again, like in hockey, you know, if you're the guy Tom Wilson from the Capitals, you're going out. Do you see it that way? Yes, yes. the same way, the exact same way you saw it. Yeah. Um, and Draymond said that afterward. Uh, and, you know, I didn't think, I thought that should have been a flagrant one, and you use some judgment there for the officials. I thought the officials had a completely bad weekend in almost all the series, but nonetheless, uh, it made that even more entertaining uh, because, you know, you look to them. It's one thing when you're a superior team and you lose game one, you bounce back. There's no superior team. There's no superior team. Milwaukee beat Boston in game one. I expect Boston to come back and win game two. You can do this in every series. I mean, Philadelphia now to me is in je- a great jeopardy. It has no chance. None. Against Miami. None. Because of the injury to Joel Embiid, something that's just freakish. She took a elbow to the eye. What's he supposed to do? Doing his fault. But I don't think they can they can win. But I, would, would Miami be superior otherwise? No, no. And is Golden State superior to Memphis? No. Well, I think they are. I mean, that's, that's just superior. me. I think they're they not are superior. They're I not think superior they are. If you're superior, you don't win that game by one point. We just yeah. lost. You lost one of your most, but two most important players. You lost him for the entire second half. Who was the second half? I mean, Curry and Green are the most important players on the team, right? Yeah, yeah. And you lost you Green, and so if you, you win by Green, one, yeah. if you yeah. win by one, you. Do, I think you're doing a win by one on the road. I think you've done it's a, a great really job. Really nice steal of a win right. by Golden State. Right. That's what but they're I not think. going out there. This is not night. This is not 2018. They're not going out there and pounding somebody because they're the Warriors. That's not happening. What is they're, what they're is in dog fights? What is the Embiid injury? Well, yeah, yeah, you're in a dog fight because one, two, three, and four advanced in every conference. These are the, by my reckoning, these are the best teams. I don't expect a four zero or a four one anywhere. I don't, but I think that's a really good win by Golden State. I think it's a really it good win by Milwaukee. It is. Milwaukee, I mean, Antetokounmpo was dominating. He was dominating yesterday. So he, you know, he had a he had a great game against. You know, Boston was a little rusty. They've been off after winning four zero. That's right. 
And Milwaukee right. was a little bit more in stride, even though they, they had even less of a challenge against the Bulls. But, you know, that, that, I expect these things to be tight series. Yes, they're the top, the top teams, and they, just, uh, they all appear fairly evenly matched. What is what is Embiid's status? Is it day to day? Is he out no, for no. at least Embiid X? He can't play the first two games because he's in concussion protocol. Protocol. Okay. They're going to make a mask to fit him. They've already made it, I'm sure. Don't get a mask. He's played with this injury before in the playoffs in 2018. So he's got to miss though. I think the first two games. Well, those are road games for them anyway, right? Those are road games where yeah. they. Were- yeah, I mean, I, you know, you just can't start 0-2 down to Miami. You can't just concede those games because, indeed, you know, and, and Tony Harden is diminished, and you and I talk yes. about this at least three times a week. Shockingly so. Yes. yes. Shockingly, Tony. He's like the boxer who, yes. you know, after look, it's been 12 years of usage, incredibly high usage. And Harden looks like, and the notion that they're going to pay him two hundred and fifty million dollars. No one's going to do that. Forward. No one's going to do so that. You now. can't say you can't say nobody's going to do it. That league. Look, just, just look at the people making certain amounts of money in that league, who then going forward don't even play at times. John Wall. Yeah. So I, I yes, my sentiment is your sentiment, which is okay. We're looking at this guy. Scouts have to be seeing basically what we see. How can you give him this amount of money? Can't. But yet, that's what Philly's got. So this is this series is interesting for a lot of those reasons, starting with Embiid, but then very quickly going to James Harden and what the hell's going to happen with him. All right, so I'll put you on the spot, get you out of here with an on-the-spot question. Who do you expect to be in the conference finals based on, you know, what you've seen so far, and, and admittedly only four of the eight teams have played. Well, I, I, I certainly at the beginning of the year in the East picked Milwaukee-Miami to be right. my That's conference right. final. Still alive for that, but think Boston's a better team and think that Boston will interrupt that. I think Boston will beat Milwaukee. Um, and I think I'm, I'm still going to stay with Miami. Right. To beat Philly. And in the West Zone, I mean, how do you look at this and not think that Phoenix and Golden State is the most irresistible series? It is. It is. It is. That's what you want. Those people, you know, you're looking at just incredibly entertaining, incredibly well coached teams. And not just, I mean, just Chris Paul and Steph Curry. When we last talked, you and I did talk. Obviously, there was no PTI draft. Chris Paul went 14 for 14. Yeah, that's pretty good. There's, there's, there's one name in that list of 12 for 12, 13 for 13, 14 for 14. Nobody had ever gone 14 for 14. The only name in the other categories is Wilt. That's it. Wilt. Wilt, Chris Paul. It's pretty so good. People thought that Chris Paul, when we last left Chris Paul, he had had a bad game four or something in the But what five. I said to you was I said to you that they're going to sink or, or rise on Chris Paul. When he has a good game, they win. When he has a bad game, they lose. And he had a great game, which he had earlier in the series. So Chris yeah. Paul had three great games. Yes. My point is nobody has seven. No, no. That's right. That's right. 
And so Chris Paul doesn't need to have seven. They do need him to have at least two or three, and now you got Booker back. But Golden State, man, you know, this Jordan Poole, I mean, this, 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 this guy, he's right there shoulder to shoulder. I'm not going to say he's like Kevin Durant in 2016, you know, 17. I'm not going to say that. But Jordan Poole went out there and got 30 yesterday. And he fits right in with what they do. That's right. So That's the, right. Like, if you get a chance to see Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and, and Bridges, McKillop, if you get to see that against the Warriors as they are currently constructed, you've got what looks like an actual NBA Finals in your Western Conference. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And, uh, it, it, you know, are they going to walk past Dallas? No, 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 no. Luka Doncic is one of the five best players in the league. So that will be something that is that starts tonight here in Phoenix. Um, so here, that's a you know enormous yeah. deal. I can't wait to see that. Okay, but the other series tone are very much for me worth uh, worth pouring over. All right, we will talk later. Thank you. Talk to you later. All right, so. Thanks. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will take a break. Booger McFarlane will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes from Matthew Padora, who writes, Listener since the undisclosed location days. Wanted to share my good friend Benji Cooksey's new music. Benji released this week a two-song EP titled Safe Space Karaoke. The title comes from the concept of a hangout at a friend's house devolving into a karaoke party using YouTube on a smart TV. Ask Michael. Fun fact, nearly every time I've seen Benji sing bar karaoke, he intros with a faux caveat that it's the first time he's ever done karaoke <laughs> and then proceeds to kill the song, which I imagine Joe Arrow would do the same thing. Yes. And then just kill it. This is called Find a Way. It's for Booger McFarlane. Michael, if people like Benji Cooksey want to send in their original music or have their friends do it, how do they do so? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. Just wonderful. Uh, Booger McFarlane joins us. And he was at the draft in Vegas. So I think the most important thing that we can say about the draft in Vegas is this. Did you play golf? There's some pretty good courses there. The wind course is pretty good. Shadow Creek, right? Did you play golf while you were there? So, Tony, if somebody asked you to bet an amount of money whether or not I played golf, which way would you bet and how much? I'd go all in for everything on the table, which at the moment is $620. (laughs) And and, and you know what, my friend? You would win $620 because (laughs) Thursday morning I got up bright and early. Yeah, uh, and, and, and this is the thing about going from east to west, is you get up super early. And I'm up at like 4.30 in the morning. Now, the draft doesn't kick off until um, like 5 o'clock West Coast time, so I got a lot of time to kill. So I hit my buddy up, and we teed off at Southern Highlands at about 7, 
15, and about 10 o'clock, Tony, I was done and actually played pretty well. Shot 86, felt good about myself, which kick-started a great day for the NFL draft. That makes me very happy. I have a lot of Las Vegas questions. Um, and the second one is, it is now, it was April, late April. How And you guys were on an outdoor set, if I'm not mistaken. How hot, yes. how hot, and you were dressed, you had on a tie, you had on a jacket, you were dressed like an adult, the way we like it. Not everybody dresses like that, and they should. How hot was it? It was extremely hot. I, I was concerned about it as a big, bald guy. Uh, sweat usually comes down on me very profusely. Yep. So I made sure I prepared. So I, I had them give me the Kirk Herbstreit treatment, which is really simple. They have an air conditioning duct that comes from the floor, and it literally pokes its head out right between my legs. So if I look down, I have about one knot of wind that's cold blowing up to my face. It's the only way I could have done that thing, Tony, because – uh, it started to get a little warm the first hour of the draft. Now, when the sun went down and the Vegas temperatures dropped a little bit, it was very pleasant. But that first hour, yeah, let's just say I was perspiring a little bit underneath that suit. See, that, that would have happened to me as well. Don't li- I don't like outdoor sets. I have never liked outdoor sets. Where are you on outdoor sets? Um, I'm not a fan of outdoor sets. I personally like to control the climate. I like 64 uh, and, a, and a makeup artist right near me, but sometimes yep. Tony, you got to be able to, got to be able to, you know, maneuver and, and, and adapt a little bit, and that's the reason why I had them. Now, I would, I, I would rather have it the way we were in Cleveland a few years ago, which was around about midnight. It got down to about forty-five, fifty degrees, uh, a little chilly, however. But I'd rather have it a little cold than a little warm. Hundred percent. Much rather have it cold than hot. Much rather that that way. I mean, I was always, when they said, we're going to do this on an outdoor set, my response was always, what do you mean we? I'm not doing it on an outdoor set. I mean, and I, I ended up doing it, but I hated it. I truly hated it. Uh, another question about Las Vegas, and let me, I don't want to sandbag you, so let me preface the question by saying this. I didn't particularly like the draft in Las Vegas. I thought it was over the top. I thought that the... You know, that the, the people in the scenery and, and, and everything the NFL tried to do to show you what Las Vegas was made it over the top and glitzy. And I was once or twice, a very specific moment, when a family who had lost a child in a war came out there and, and picked the second round pick for one of the teams. I just thought, wow, this is, I'm not, I'm not with this. I thought it was, you know, morally... I'm not sure it, it wasn't hollow at the core. So I don't want to sandbag you. I, and I'm happy if you say you love the draft in Las Vegas. It's not a place I would have put it. Well, here's how I judge the draft cities. As, as somebody who's up there on the desk uh, and going to be up there on the desk probably four and a half, five hours in the evening, yeah. uh, I have to have something to do with the rest of my day. So I judge the city based on what I can and cannot do uh, from from morning until it's time to go to the set, which normally is, I'm going to find a nice restaurant. I'm going to find a nice golf course. Could I go outside for a walk? Uh, is is there any anything to entertain me? Vegas, a lot of casinos. Yep. So in and around me working, there were so many things to do. I played a little blackjack, Tony. I, I mean, it's nothing like walking from the Palm Restaurant where you have a nice dinner with your boss, 
And on the way back to the hotel through Caesars Casino, the boss says, hey, you want to play a few? And you sit down for 30 minutes and you pull out a couple hundred bucks. And next thing you know, you and the big boss are sitting there playing blackjack. It's, it's kind of a good thing. I don't know if we could do that in Green Bay, if the draft is ever in Green Bay. I don't know if we can do it next year when the draft is in Kansas City. So I kind of like the draft in Vegas based on my own personal preferences, which is can I get good food? Can I be entertained? Is there something for mm-hmm. me to do maybe in the evening time after dinner? So Vegas checked all those locks on Okay. Did you, did, were you really classy and you picked up the check for the boss for dinner? Did you do that? Yes, even though I knew the, even though if the boss would have picked it up, he really wouldn't have picked it up because Disney would have paid for it. That's right. But it's the classic, it's yeah. the classic thing you do. No, no, no. I got it. I got yeah. this. And then That's good. It, it's it, it, it's amazing how far that goes. It does. It goes into a renewal of a contract and a big raise. Very good for you, Booger. Very, very smart move for you. Let's get to the draft itself, which um, which was your kind of draft because you were a lineman. You know, this was not a quarterback draft. It was not a running back draft. I think there were no running backs picked till the second or third round or something like that. It was an interior draft. What was your biggest sort of takeaway from the draft itself? Well, we came into this draft thinking it was going to be an O-line, D-line draft with the wide receivers possibly still in the show. And that's ultimately what it was. The first five picks were defensive picks. You had the first uh, two picks were defensive ends. Uh, the third pick was a corner from LSU that arguably hadn't played his best football in, in two years. Uh, then the tackle started to come off the board a little bit. But at the end of the day, I, I think the overwhelming sentiment of this draft is that if you don't have a receiver that you feel like you can count on, then your team is kind of wasting time. Because everybody throughout this draft, whether it was via trade, A.J. Brown going from Tennessee to Philadelphia, whether it was Hollywood Brown going from Baltimore to Arizona, or whether it was the, I believe it was seven receivers drafted in the first round, I think 17 drafted in the top 53 picks. If you didn't have a receiver, then your team is really, really falling behind. So, Early on, big people, but then the receivers stole the show, Tony. And the philosophy behind drafting wide receivers is that they've legislated defense out of football and wide receivers are that important, I assume, right? Yeah, some of that. And also, if if you have a good one, uh, let's let's just look at the contracts that have been paid out. Yeah, Devontae Adams is getting $27, $28 million a year. Stephon Diggs is getting $26, $27. A.J. Brown got traded. He got $25. So if, if you're a team, Tony, it, it, it really becomes a, a cost-effective measure. Do I want to get a guy and pay him 27, or do I want to draft a guy and pay him three or four, and I got that three or four for four years? And I, and I think it becomes, is your guy that, that you're paying 26 or 27, is he worth that? Because if he's not, and the answer is not an, an unequivocal yes, then I'm going to trade that guy away the way we've seen uh, some teams do, and I'm going to get a young guy. Who are who can have the production? Maybe not quite as high as your mm-hmm. superstar, but he can get pretty close. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I mean, uh, when people evaluate the draft and they say this team did great because they had eleven picks and they got four in the fifth round, and I, I wonder, you played, you know, you understand this. What percentage of draftees from the fourth round and down, five, six, seven? What percentage of them make the team? Is it a significant percentage? If we're going to throw the fourth round in there, that percentage goes higher. Right. What I would say is, is let's cut it off at the fourth round and go five, six, seven, 
and let's keep one through four. Right. I would say one, one through four, the hit rate is probably 75, 80%, one through four. Wow. Once you get to five through seven, then that probably drops down to 15, 20%. Um, you know, five, six, seven are usually not guys that you're counting on. One through four, because if you think about it, Tony, one through four is usually the top 125, 130 players. Those guys are going to find a way to make it in the NFL, whether it be special teams, whether it be developmental, uh, whether it be uh, guys that can come in and do stuff situationally. So, yeah, one through four, higher hit rate, five through seven, those guys will probably be – I don't mean this in a bad way. Those guys will be accountants or engineers or school teachers by the time we get to the next football season. Maybe. Okay. That, that makes sense. I'll get you out of here on this. You're an LSU guy. Georgia just had 50,000 people drafted. Does that make you happy because it depletes Georgia next year, or does it make you not happy because the transfer portal makes you able to restock overnight? I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Uh, if, if we go back – Three years, LSU had 14 guys drafted, and so I know I know how and why this happens. That means your team has a lot of talent. That means your team um, is doing a lot of things right. Now, I'm not going to hate on Georgia because uh, their defense was loaded, and Kirby Smart's been recruiting at a very, very high level. I just think in college football now, it's easier to even the playing field with the transfer portal and NIL and all yeah. those different things. Yeah. So I'm happy, man, happy for Georgia, happy for Kirby Smart. Um Think about this, Tony. Georgia had 15 players drafted. You know how many players came from the University of Texas? No. Zero. Really? Zero. 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 Wow. And they're going into the SEC. It's going to get harder. Wow. Hey, zero from the University of Texas. Florida, Florida State, and Miami combined had five. So it it, it just shows you the haves and the have-nots are starting to differentiate themselves around the country. Oh, yes. Wow, that's in- I had no idea about that. That's a good fact I can give to Wilbon, and Wilbon will say I don't care. <laughs> Wilbon doesn't care because it's the NBA season. Booger, I'm so proud of you for playing in Vegas, for playing golf. We'll talk soon. Thanks very much. No doubt. Tony, when I travel, two things I look at, the weather and the golf courses, baby. It's just, Follow it's my just... lead. <laughs> Booger McFarland, kids, knows what he's doing. We'll take a break. We will have email and a jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. It's all of my food, rapidly, only slide it on like do. And I just want to choke, this must be a joke, they brewed my cord on blue. It's the radio unrest, too much sodium. Too much sodium. Now this Friday trend makes no sense at all. Briny trend. <laughs> I can only wonder why there's too much sea salt in my pan. It's a culinary insanity. They put too much sea salt on our gas. It's rattling up the salinity. The salinity. They put too much sea salt in my Brilliant. Steve Lipton. It's totally brilliant. It's uh, it's from Sticks. It's totally brilliant. Yeah. And there is too much sea salt. <laughs> it's everywhere. Stop. Stop everywhere. with Himalayan sea salt. Pink Himalayan sea salt. Stop. <laughs> 
Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda bagel sandwich? Yes, we've got the bagel sandwiches today. Always a brilliant day when we get those. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com, forward a location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. From Rick Franzosa in Cincinnati, Ohio. Is this the new game? I'm 480 miles from Bethesda Bagels. Also have 11 <laughs> outlets in the kitchen if you include the hidden ones for the refrigerator and the microwave. From Bill Garner in North Potomac, Maryland. I know this is really a 1% or supply chain issue, but my half-related by marriage also loves coffee ice cream. In the last six months, I have not found one plain coffee ice cream pint. I finally gave up last week and bought my half an ice cream maker. She found a recipe for coffee. She said it's delicious. Come on over. We have room at the sink. <laughs> um, from, I don't even know, RJ Dion, it says. I have listened for years, but I've never felt the need to email until now. Last Friday, I was listening to the segment with Jason Samino of the Capital Weather Gang. When Mr. Tony asked about Camp Shahola, I thought that sounds... That place sounds familiar since I lived near there. Then it progressed to Milford, Pennsylvania, and the Milford Diner. I had lunch at the Milford Diner on Friday, the very same day Tony was talking about it. Could it be that I was having my own David Aldridge moment, sort of? The diner is still open and serving good food. The show still stinks. Eat at Saliza. There's a Milford Diner. There's also Steve's Diner in Honesdale, Pennsylvania, which we talked about as well. From Joe Wagner in North Liberty, Iowa. I, too, dislike everything about yogurt, despite never having tried it. Yes, this is my position. I've never tried it. From Shana in Boston, Massachusetts. I knew I had to write in after hearing the mailbag where a 32-year-old asked if they were too young to be listening. I am proudly taking on the burden of representing the 25-year-old female demographic for the Littles. My boyfriend got me hooked to the podcast a few months ago after listening to your interview with Mitch Album and a very detailed and lengthy list of his favorite jingles. I have caught him singing that Subaru in the shower and enjoyed it more than feels appropriate. Thank you for all the laughs and the DC weather updates. A haiku for the pretzel situation, burn broken and dark. How Tony prefers pretzels or the Nat season. <laughs> Nat season is looking bad. I, I just to took a big series. I yes, love Burns looking up. Yeah, they won. They beat the Giants and scored a lot. Three. Scored a lot, except in the game where they didn't score a lot. Well. But that happens. From Kate Milan or Kate Milan. Apparently, you never shopped at the May Department Store in Hempstead Turnpike in Levittown, which was well known for the pretzel man stationed outside the store. As a child, I knew it was my first experience of the big soft pretzel and a reason to accompany my mother when it was time to shop there. I never shopped at the May Department Store at, on Hempstead Turnpike. Shopped at Orbach's, real near Hempstead Turnpike, but never at that one. From Mark Becker. I was taking a walk on the Matthew Henson Trail in Silver Spring on Sunday when a guy on a bicycle approached me from the opposite direction. He was wearing one of those tight bike outfits and the logo on his shirt was for Subaru. I hate him. <laughs> so do I. From Jeff McAleer. Such a good description Springfield, of the outfit. Virginia. Around 20 it. years ago, yes. a friend drove the family Subaru into a lake. It's remembered fondly in family lore as the Scubaru. <laughs> sort of funny. From Mike Schuster. It's been a rough couple of weeks for this Laura Little. First, I love sea salt caramels. I actually enjoy the entire sweet and salty flavor concept. Although I share your love of cottage cheese, I'm a small curd guy. Mm. It was difficult to hear you referring to me on a recent show as a loser. <laughs> Thank God I don't drive a Subaru. Mike Schuster in South Bend, Indiana. It's very good. From John. Is the new game our pharmacy? I go to the Walgreens on Northwest Military Highway in San Antonio. <laughs> good. Yeah, good. It's good to know. Dear Dr. Grandpa, this is from Christian Rushman in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. 
Types of salts found at Shea Rushman. Fleur-de-lis sea salt, Malden sea salt, diamond crystal kosher, Alessi kosher sea salt, venom sea salt, which is Caribbean sea salt with Trinidadian scorpion pepper. Wow. Himalayan pink salt, Hawaiian black salt, Morton's table salt, Morton's pickling salt, Morton's pretzel salt, garlic sea salt, garlic non-sea salt, Lowry's seasoned salt, celery salt, onion salt, and this being Wisconsin, about 40 pounds of rock salt for the Sheehan boys when they come over to shovel. I have a long driveway and I don't think that'll be enough. Did I win or do I lose? Either way, I may have a problem. A happy 49th birthday to fellow little Jeff Burhan. That's a couple of weeks ago. Thank him for embarrassing my daughter and tell him to eat it. From Lee Les Matson, rather, in Guffey, Colorado. My house is at 9,250 feet elevation. That drive travels. That drive travels. Chris Klein in Pittsburgh. Yesterday you read an email from Matt Wine saying the Rite Aid on Murray and Forbes in Pittsburgh is dead to him. And I thought, hey, I know that Rite Aid. I drive by it every morning after I drop my kid off at daycare. Are we having a David Aldridge pharmacy moment now? (laughs) Or just shouting out to our pharmacies on a DMV-centric podcast enjoyed by dozens? In which case, Matt should try the Giant Eagle Pharmacy on Murray. No, not that Giant Eagle on Murray, the other one. From Mike O'Brien in Boston, formerly Rivera. Only you could come up with the greatest segment of all time. You give trivia questions where you don't know the answer. He could have confidently given the wrong answer, and you would respond, really, you're so smart, Richie. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true, because I don't know the answer. From Rainley Durrett, a millennial little in Melville, New York. Melville's on Long Island in Suffolk County. What are the odds Lucius Fox had a reversal of fortune while on the field due to a pregame snack of Lucerne 4% large curd cottage cheese just past the threshold of breaking bad? Or perhaps he had too many grinds in his trade coffee. I think if he asked Gary, the Vegas odds would be 50-50. P.S. Can I apply to be the official math tutor of the Tony Kornheiser show? I give my clients questions having to calculate their savings after using the promo code Tony K. Um, did Lucius Fox, got has he hit. gotten a hit? Yeah, he's got his first hit. He's got one hit this year. Okay. He's taken over for Robles <laughs> as a guy who just can't hit. And from Joe Farat in uh, Minneapolis, I found it ironic that I could barely hear your discussion on wind with Jason Salmonow while I was running into a constant 20-mile-an-hour headwind around the lake. Thank God, however, that I tuned out of the wind just in time to catch, turned out of the wind just in time to catch your informative talk about Pocono's boys' camps. It's this kind of hyper-local talk that somehow keeps us all coming back. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear what? But I still need a bit of milk, full fat, which I've warmed in the microwave. <laughs> Everything that's dear to me, yeah 
tell you that your heroes never die And I hate to say I found out that's a lie And I know they mean that they live on in our minds But when I think of it All I do is cry And the cruelest thing they'll say Is it takes time Things that flow 